Good evening, everybody. I love being here, and I, I love you guys, and it is such an encouragement to be here, so I'm glad that you make the effort, because I know it seems like the weeks that are the hardest to get here are the weeks that I'm the most blessed, so I hope the same is for you. So we are now going to jump into Ezekiel it's chapter 12 through 14 this week. Um, just as a reminder of our history up to now, Ezekiel is a book about prophecy, and Ezekiel is a prophet. Um, he is part of about 10,000 Jews that were taken out of um, their home city into Babylon in exile um, from the capital of Judah. He was five years there in exile before he got his first prophecy from the Lord. So when he started his ministry, he was 30 years old. And it starts out with him listening to God, um, which is such an amazing thing to think about when you really start your relationship, just listening to God. And then it was time for him to open up, and he just really could speak when God made it possible for him to speak. So Ezekiel's asked to act out several things. He acts out this battle siege at one point in time. He acts out this whole cutting of the hair, you know, the whole slash burn, get rid of process um, that we learned about last week. And then he's shown by God um, that God is going to bring down a judgment on Judah. So the reason for this is pride and complacency of the people and the utter depth of their sin, that they have just gotten that far away. So Ezekiel has shown God removing his presence from the temple, which is just a heartbreaking thought that that's what's happening, that the, the sin has become so deep that God feels he needs to remove his presence. So now we pick up in chapter 12, and Ezekiel is acting out again. So it's back to that whole, you know, picture's worth a thousand words, serrating. And he's asked to come up and act like he's going into exile, which is hysterical because he's exiled. And so it's pack up all your belongings, make a big drama of everything you own, getting packed up, digging a hole through a wall, shoving your stuff through there, getting through it, picking it up on your shoulder and starting to match off. And oh, by the way, when you do, cover your face, okay? And through this whole process, the people around him, you know, by now are like really, I'm sure, starting to think like, you know, that's crazy Uncle Ed kind of thing. That's crazy Ezekiel that's starting to go through these processes. But you know, it's like those things that you just can't stop watching, right? It's just fascinating to find out what's going to happen next. And so they're watching him. And people are watching him, and what's going through their mind is, we're going home. God's saying we're going home. And so then God speaks to Ezekiel and says, you need to tell them this is not what this is, that we are here to let them know that this is not you being restored back to Judah, but that this prophecy is about the prince of Jerusalem. Now, the prince of Jerusalem is the king in Jerusalem. It is the last king of Judah, and his name is Zedekiah. And so God wants the people to know that this is not about them being returned to home, but that the king of Judah, Zedekiah, who is a delineation from the line of David, is going to be removed. And so are the other Israelites that are going to be there. So he's saying through all of this, that God's punishment is going to fall on the Israelites and their king, and this is what's going to happen. And it's going to happen so that they will know that I am Lord. This is really the message that God is trying to get to everyone, is that I am Lord. So they're going to be driven from their country, scattered about. They're going to die by the sword. They're going to experience famine and plagues, 
and have anxiety and despair over their food and their water. Some will live, and it says that will be so that they can acknowledge all their detestable practices. And the last thing he says is so that they will know that God is Lord. So this is a repeated message that we're hearing in this part of Ezekiel, that the whole purpose of God allowing these things to happen is that it is so important to restore that relationship. They have gone to a very dark place, and he wants his people back with him. So God then speaks to the Israelites about this proverb, and it really wasn't so much about this proverb, but the proverb was, you know, ah, you said it's going to happen, it hasn't happened, we're like in a good place, don't worry about it, right? Well, God is really trying to say this is not about the proverb, this is more about the state of their heart, that they have felt that they are above the law, that they really are separated and they feel that they're protected, and it really didn't matter what they did that this is kind of what's led to that path of them getting so far from God. So God's instead trying to get through to his people. He wants them to know that they need, need to repent. So important. He wants them to reestablish that relationship. Again, God is just wanting to draw them back to himself. He wants them to have a relationship and a humility and a dependence on him instead of the arrogance and the entitlement that they have fallen into. He wants them to know that really the time is near. So that takes us to chapter 13. And then in this particular chapter, God is really speaking to Israelites and he's telling them that we are going to call out all of the false prophets. So, you know, oftentimes it's so easy for people to get into a place where they want to tell you things that people want to believe, right? It's really great to say good and exciting and fun things because that's what people want to hear. That's what you want to believe. I mean, if you think about it, there were two candidates to run for president and one said to you, during my term, things are going to get great. You are going to be wealthier than ever. We're going to get rid of taxes and the sky is the limit. People would eat that up, right? And then you have the second candidate who goes, you know, we really got to buckle down. Taxes are going to go up. It's going to be rough for a few years, but we're going to get out of this and we're going to be okay in the end. And if you really thought about what would happen in our world today if we had two candidates doing that, I think it would be pretty clear on who would be the overwhelming winner. And so God recognizes that the prophets are out there telling the people really what they want to hear. And that they're using their own imagination and they're not using God's words And Ezekiel is told to call them out, and he calls them out as jackals, and jackals among ruins and liars, which is not a good thing. There's a lot of great things when they talk about what's used for jackals in the Bible, and they are never referencing something that you want to keep in your backyard, you know, as pet. So God tells Ezekiel that because they use false words and lying visions, that God himself will be against them. Not what I'd consider a great place that I would like to be. But he says that he will be against them so that others will know that he is Lord. So again, he's bringing it all back to, please know that I am Lord. And he is going to destroy those false prophets for their unfaithfulness and their lies. Because not only are they going down a really dark path for themselves, but they're bringing others with them. 
God then sets his sight on the women who sew magic charms and wear veils. And this is really about speaking to the women that were pulling people away from God and away from the law because they were relying on magic and other faiths, things like Baal. And they were doing this for money, but it really was, again, going to a very dark place and bringing others with them. So God condemns them for their actions and says he will tear off their veils and save his people from their hands. So again, they will know that he is Lord. Then we go into chapter 14, and they talk about the idolaters and God's judgment. So the elders of Israel come to sit before Ezekiel, and God speaks to Ezekiel, and he tells them that these elders, who are the people that they should be looking towards, have set up idols in their hearts and have created stumbling blocks. He says that these things are causing a separation from him and that the false prophets are separated and all those that are following them. God says that he's going to hold these false prophets accountable for what they have done, and he calls on Ezekiel to tell them to repent, which I'm sure was not taken really well. God then speaks out his judgment and that it is inescapable if they don't repent. So the last part of this chapter is actually kind of hard to read and a little bit scary, which is um, verses 12 through 21, because God's judgment can kind of be scary. But we don't want to be on the side of being cut up from God. So God also offers us hope in this section. He calls out three men by name in this section who says that they are recognized as righteous men. And that was Noah, Daniel, and Job. And he says that even these righteous men whom all of these Israelites would have known and recognized as righteous men by their faith and their acts, that even these men could not have their family saved because of their righteousness. That this is all about individual righteousness. It's about your heart. It's about my heart. And it's about me being connected with God. It's about my righteousness. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of everything that God has done. But that it, my heart is reliant. I'm responsible for my heart. And others are responsible for their own heart. So my heart's not going to save those in my family. And that's what God is telling them. So it does mean that we can be assured that God does offer his protection from wrath and judgment for those that are righteous. God, again, is calling on us to connect, to remember that our relationship with him is of the utmost importance. God goes on to speak in this section of four judgments that will be sent down on Jerusalem. There's the sword, there's the famine, there's the wild beast, and there's the plagues. And then he goes on to say that there's going to be some survivors and that Ezekiel will see and be consoled regarding the judgment and the disaster that's brought against Jerusalem. And at first I wasn't really sure I understand exactly why Ezekiel would be consoled. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe when all of this happens, people will repent and that Ezekiel will see that and he'll be encouraged and consoled because people repented from all of this. But the more study I did, I realized that's not the case. In fact, it's the exact opposite that happens. There's going to be several that are going to be spared, and they're going to go into exile, and they're going to end up in Babylonia. And when they end up there, 
All of these other people are going to see them and see how evil their characters are. It will be so evident that they have become so evil, so self-centered, so non-righteous, that everyone who meets them will know that the bleak picture that God put forward about what's happening in Israel is really what was happening, and it was actually true. These people will be identified as so evil that God's people will now be comforted, comforted in knowing and coming to an understanding that God's ways and judgment are true, that these exiles would be living an example that God's judgment was necessary and not without cause. So easy for us to sometimes look around the world and when disasters strike, the first thing you hear is, why would God let this happen? And I'm not saying that all disasters are caused by God causing them to happen, but I can tell you that if God is executing his judgment on somebody, it's justified and it's real because he's the only one that's capable of making those judgment calls. He knows the heart, he knows the intentions behind it, and he's not convinced differently by pretty words. It's the heart that makes you stand out. It's the relationship that he is trying to restore. So they would understand that God was righteous in all that he did, even during judgment. So what did we learn through all this? The phrase that now they will know that I am Lord is written 63 times in Ezekiel. 63 times out of the 77 times mentioned in the entire Bible, that statement. Eight times in these three chapters alone. God is calling his people to know him to return to him. God is calling out in these chapters false truths, false prophets, false teachings, false idol worship, and unrighteousness. God is calling his people back into truth, to know the truth, to return to the truth. He's calling them to repent and to get right with him. And he's calling them to righteousness because what he really wants is your heart. He wants their hearts. God's judgment, although harsh and at times scary, is not without cause. God is and has given his people ample time to turn from their wicked ways and to return to a right relationship with him. God wants the same for us today. He wants to ensure that you and me and all of us turn from anything that would separate us from him. Hold on to your relationship with God as sacred, as something to be protected and cherished, the most valuable possession you have. And it's hard. As a mom, man, we have hearts for our babies, right? We are tight with them. They may make us upset, but they're always ours. God wants that with him, even deeper, even deeper than your heart for your children. God wants that heart with us, his children. So don't let evil thoughts, actions, complacency, idol, pride, arrogance, don't let any of those things creep into your heart. Take time to do the real inventory. Check your priorities. Restore the relationship. That's what God wants. He wants your whole heart so that you will know he is Lord. But have hope. God is patient and loving God has given so many opportunities and will continue 
to give opportunities. Because he tells us his desire in Ezekiel 11, 19 through 20 says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my vows, my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your everlasting love. Thank you for trying to restore relationship over and over and over, even when we fail and we fall and we turn and we stumble, that you are faithful to be right here with us. Thank you that you want that relationship. Father, help us to check our own hearts. Help us to check our own priorities. Help us to check our whole heart so that we can keep that tight relationship with you. Thank you that you watch over us and you protect us and you guide us, whispering truth to us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.